step onto the red carpet and be part of a night to remember at our premier movie event. Join us as we launch our never-before-seen movie, Dysphoria. Discover the shocking truths behind the LGBTQ transgender agenda in our powerful new documentary, Dysphoria. This riveting new movie shares the stories of three families, all ambushed by the LGBTQ agenda. Dive into the communist roots of this movement, its impact on schools and the medical field, and the hidden connections with Antifa. As society grapples with the concept of biological reality, we ask, where is the church? Your ticket not only gets you exclusive access to see the film, but also supports our nonprofit filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. Don't miss out on this opportunity to make a difference and enjoy an unforgettable movie night. Tickets available at dysphoriamovie.com or text the word red carpet to 80888. And as a valued listener to the show, use promo code podcast for $50 off at checkout. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we ask tough questions, encourage and inspire grassroots involvement, and pursue truth above all else. I'm Amber Archer, and joining me is my husband, author, director, speaker, Mark Archer. That's a bunch of crap. (laughs) What? If you find this podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe and share this show to help us reach more people. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. I think that was totally uncalled for. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) (laughs) What? Uh Uh-huh. You and your buttons. Mm -hmm. That's a bunch of crap. Yeah. (laughs) So... No, get the celebration. Okay, hold on. Are you ready? Hold on. Oh, Oh, my God. Yay! So, I'm excited. Tickets go on sale today. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Monumental for the red carpet event. This is... It it almost seems unbelievable. It's, you know, it's been a year in the making. And what's fascinating is you never know when you start a documentary film exactly how it's going to end up this is very true (laughs) so it was a lot of fun to be able to um share with our board and Mm -hmm. share with um one other person secret squirrel person secret squirrel person (laughs) um and just kind of get their feedback and i think over overall you know unanimously across the board it was um wow that's not what i thought it was going to be yeah (laughs) <laughs> basically <laughs> so it's but, but really good really great great positive feedback well, and i'm uh, excited i mean we can say that it's not what we thought it was going to be either uh yeah uh, yeah absolutely you always start off with what you think it's going to be about and then and, it sort of ha- takes on a life of its own yeah you know you just it, there's so much there's so much prayer and study and research that goes into making a documentary film at least on our part mm-hmm. you know i i just uh, i can't speak to what other, uh, other people do but just the way that we make our films is um just heavily researched and so much prayer it's like at the end of the day the lord is our executive producer you're everyone's problem i know <laughs> So anyway, it's very fun. So I'm excited. I'm excited for everyone who will come. I'm mm-hmm. excited for you guys to finally see what we've been working on for the last year. So just to, as a reminder, I know they heard it at the beginning, but yes, September. September 29th. Doors open at 530. Movie starts at 630. Um, Runtime is 125 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you get a full two hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and you're not going to want to get up from your seat because you is, might miss something. It is jam jam packed. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, at Noblesville, Indiana Life Church. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Home Church of Micah Beckwith. Micah Beckwith, who is one of our cast members. Yes. You'll hear from him in a couple weeks, probably. Yeah. So get ready to walk the red carpet yep. and talk with cast members and us. And just have a good time. Yeah, come get I'm your excited. picture taken. Yeah, step and repeat wall. Yeah. Red carpet. Yeah, red carpet. It's, it's gonna exciting. Be, we're going to have a party. <laughs> so we'll hope to see you there. Be there or be square. Yes. So. Okay, what do you got today? Well, just to kind of in this theme, mm-hmm. before we introduce uh, uh, some more from one of our other cast right. members. Right. So we're going to spend the time um, the next several weeks just introducing each member of the cast because we still haven't released. I mean, it's 
It's on the IMDb if you really want to go and look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but it's it's like everybody says, who's in the who's in the movie? Yeah. Well, that's funny to me that because literally the the cast in real time basically has been updated on the IMDb, and it just shows me that people don't look at it yeah. as much as they used to. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure where people look for information like that, but it's just yeah, Internet Movie Database IMDb.com. It's on there. <laughs> yes. So anyway, so over the next few weeks, we're going to be releasing um, different interview segments from uh, the cast members. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. so you'll get, uh, you know, familiarize yourself with them before you come and watch the movie. Mm-hmm. So last week we heard from Alex Newman. Mm-hmm. If you've watched The Mind Polluters, then you know who Alex Newman is. He was a big part of that cast. And so this week we're going to introduce everybody to Heidi St. John. Heidi St. John. And um, bestie from the Westie. Yeah, she, so she, uh, she and her husband Jay run the firmly planted family. Family. Mm-hmm. It's a nonprofit organization that's advancing homeschool resources and is committed to helping families flourish. Heidi has written over nine books, including the best-selling Becoming Mom Strong series. Her Off the Bench podcast has over twenty million downloads, and she's a sought-after speaker as she addresses faith, education, family, and culture issues at events nationwide. I don't like you because you're dangerous. I love Heidi. (laughs) She is the best. (laughs) And you guys are going to like her too, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Like after you listen to her and just hear her story, um, homeschool mom, just can't wait. Yep. But before that. Yes, before that. I have just, uh, you know, along the theme of why, why you should support independent cinema, especially Christian worldview independent cinema. Mm-hmm. Because just a, a just in case you need a reminder, Hollywood hates you. <laughs> dun, they, dun, dun. they they want your money, but they don't want you to speak uh, or say anything else. They just want you to pay up. So this is from uh, this Glad, is from Glad, the Glad website. G L A A D. What does that stand Gay, for? Gay, lesbian? No. Glad. Hang, let me look it up. Anyway, okay, while you look that up, this is LGBTQ celebrities and allies call on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter to stop the flow of anti-trans hate and malicious disinformation about trans health care. Right. This is from June 27th, 2023, addressed to Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Neil Mohan, that's YouTube, Shaozi Chu, TikTok, they're not Chinese or anything, um, <laughs> Linda Yaccarino and Elon Musk. Isn't Linda the one who's from the World Economic Forum that Elon hired to run Twitter? I'd have to do some. I think so. Incidentally, Twitter is not a free speech platform. It's better than it used to be. But it is not a free speech platform. Oh, here we go. Glad. Formerly, it's formerly Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. It's created in 1985 mm. and is devoted to countering discrimination against lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer individuals in the media and promoting understanding, acceptance, and equality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So anyway. Um, yeah, anyway, Twitter, because January Littlejohn. Mm-hmm. Who's in, we'll meet her. She's in the cast uh, also of dysphoria. dysphoria, but January was just suspended from Twitter. And she shares a lot yeah. of the harmful effects mm-hmm. of this transgender ideology yeah. through her social network channels yeah. and social I have found, media channels. I, and I have found one of the trigger words that gets you in trouble on Twitter. Which one is it? Trannies. Oh. If you say trannies, immediately, immediately. As soon as you post it, immediately you get a nasty gram from them. Your post has I been limited. Say, I would say, how do you know that? <laughs> how do I know that? Because as soon as I discovered it. You're the it, worst offender. Then I, I am. <laughs> yeah, I will okay. do it I'll, almost daily. I'll say something You know, when you it. say trannies, I'm thinking, you know, cars, transmissions. Yeah, but no, I just, guess I got to go in a different direction just means here. you're full of hate. All right. Uh, so, so as celebrities, influencers, and... Pro- <laughs> oh, my word. I mean, this just right off the start as celebrities, influencers and prominent public figures with significant followings on social media. We, the undersigned, are calling on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok and Twitter 
to fulfill the promises you've made to the transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming, and all LGBTQ users in your terms of service. There has been a massive systemic failure. They love that word, systemic. Yeah. To prohibit hate, harassment, and malicious anti-LGBTQ disinformation on your platforms, and it must be addressed. I should. I need some music for this. Uh, should I play the Terminator song again? <laughs> Dangerous posts, both content and ads, created and circulated by high-follower anti-LGBTQ hate accounts targeting transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people are thriving across your platforms, directly resulting in terrifying real-life harm, including bomb threats targeting children's hospitals that offer health care for trans youth, death threats targeting They're care providers. About Boston Children's Hospital. Such false. Wait a minute. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Targeting bomb threats targeting children's hospital. I'm going to have to look at their, their. They did cite their sources, so I will look these up later. Um. Such false and hate-driven, widely circulated content on your platforms is even being cited by lawmakers advancing discriminatory legislation against trans people. Targeted misgendering and, de and dead naming. <laughs> I laugh because I like to dead name them. Um, targeted misgendering and dead naming of trannies. <clears throat> there you go, Twitter. Um, and non-binary people is a widespread mode of hate speech. Oh no, I'm a hater. Isn't that, isn't it so fascinating? Let's just pause for a moment. So calling people what they were born as mm -hmm. and telling them that their mental illness of believing that they're the opposite sex mm -hmm. and somehow some other fairy tale name is not reality. Mm -hmm. That's hate speech. Yeah. In the eyes <clears throat> of the left, the loony left. Yeah. Okay. Let me fast forward here. We, Please. we call for you to meet with community leaders and creators to hear about these real world harms that result from anti-trans content on your platforms. I'd like to know exactly what real world harms they're talking about. Well, I can give you an example of some real world harms. How about the uh, the tranny that went in and shot uh, up this school? That's what I'm saying. That like, let's really talk about who's being harmed where. Right. And was it or was it not the transgender movement who were the ones sending threats to Target yes. when they moved the displays in the back. Yes. These were not conservatives. Nope. These were actually the Trans. transgenders yep. and the whole left-leaning crowd. Yeah, the, the communists. Okay, we call for you to meet uh, and create sh and share plans of how you will address, number one, content that spreads malicious lies and disinformation about medically necessary health care for transgender youth. Right. Medically necessary. So what's right. happening is across multiple states and, you know, they're they're losing the argument. Mm -hmm. These are not medically necessary. You are chopping off healthy body parts of adolescent children mm -hmm. and scarring them for the rest of their life. Yeah. Uh, number two, accounts and postings that perpetuate anti-LGBTQ extremist hate and disinformation that's that's probably why twitter comes after me for saying trannies uh number three is that extremist hate <clears throat> it is apparently apparently number three dehumanizing hateful attacks on prominent transgender public figures and influencers are they talking about like dylan mulvaney Pro they don't uh they don't have specific things. They like to make here. things up. Carry on. Number four, anti-transgender hate speech, including targeted misgendering, dead naming, and hate-driven tropes. <laughs> Whatever. Um, true allies do not profit from anti-LGBTQ hate. So, and then I've got all of their names. 250 of them. Are these are... 
quote unquote celebrities. Do we know any of them? <clears throat> yeah. Well, there's a couple that I. Yeah. <laughs> so some some of the. Yeah. OK. Alyssa, Alyssa Milano. Well, that's a that's Amy, go figure. Amy Schumer. Don't know who that is. Ariana Grande. Yeah. Could care less. Um. Ben Benj Pasek. That's the guy who did all the music for um, The Greatest Showman. Hmm. Uh, Billy Eichner. I know I've heard of that. Um, let's see. So really has no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no legitimate. No. Le and you have no, to cut that out. <laughs> Dakota Fanning. Um, uh, she used to have a career. Let's see. Demi Lovato. No surprise. Um, let's see. Who is Fletcher? It's all, it's in all caps. I, I have don't no know idea. Who that is. I have no idea. Haley Baldwin Bieber. <laughs> uh, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm just reading names that I know and I'm, I don't really pay attention to these people anymore. So Judd Apatow, I've heard of him. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Um, let's see. Uh, um, Lena Dunham. Mm, I've heard of her. Um, let's see. Mandy Patinkin. That's actually surprising. Mandy Patinkin. That's. From Princess Bride. You keep using that name. I do not think it means what you think it means. That's Mandy Patinkin. That guy's name is Mandy? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, uh, bum, 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 anyway, bum, carry bum. on. Hold on. Hold okay, on. okay. I'm trying. There's a lot of them. I always who, say two. Who is Our Lady J? I have no idea. I have no idea. That is Miriam Silverman. Must be related to Sarah Silverman. Peppermint. Uh, uh oh Patrick Stewart. Oh no, they got Patrick Stewart. Who's that? Jean-Luc Picard. Oh. He's totally gay anyway. <laughs> um Sam Smith. <laughs> oh, big surprise there, Sam Smith. Was wasn't that the guy at the uh, Grammys or whatever yeah, it was? Yeah. Um and uh no so, oh, T no, I don't know who that is. I'm sorry, all of you who took the time to sign this. I don't know who you are, and I really don't care. Uh, Wanda Sykes. That's okay. They don't care who we is. are either. It's all good. Yeah. So feeling anyway, is mutual. You should definitely, um, you should definitely click the link in the show notes and go and just, you know, scratch them off your list. They hate you. <laughs> they do. They hate you. They want your well, money, but they hate the people you. People who are listening don't really know who any of these people are <laughs> well, either. A few of them. So. A few of them. <laughs> <laughs> not very many, though. But We're not the, subscribing to any of their stuff. Okay. So, anyhow. Anyhow. So, on to Heidi. Yes. I I, I love. I'm so excited um, that we got a chance to go to Washington and interview Heidi. It was a great trip. And thoughts? I, I, think, the, I think what was so fascinating, be before I hand it back over to you, mm -hmm. was walking into the Homeschool Resource Center. Yeah. It was so phenomenal, even as it was. And I know that they have since moved yeah, and they... gotten a bigger location. Mm -hmm. And so I am so I, re I really am so excited for them. Yeah. So we will definitely leave links for you guys to go and check out the Firmly Planted um, Homeschool Resource Center and just get plugged in. It's it's really awesome. Yeah, it really is. And I have to say. Next to the theater in Dallas that we screened the Mind Polluters mm -hmm. at, Firmly Planted Family Homeschool Resource Center had the best sound and picture yes. of any other place that we screened. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really phenomenal. I mean, I am I am so excited to see what the Lord has in store for them yeah. in this next season. Yeah. Okay. So here's uh, part one with Heidi. John, my husband and I have seven children and four grandchildren. And uh, we never anticipated ever jumping into the culture wars, but we started seeing about 25 years ago at my daughter's public school, we started seeing shadows of things to come. Things that she was hearing on the school bus, she would bring them home from me, for me. And my husband and I would just sit in stunned disbelief at what my seven-year-old daughter 
was coming home from school with. And so at the end of her second grade grade year, we made a monumental decision and we decided to pull her out of the public school system. Now you got to understand me to know how completely insane this is. Like I never wanted to homeschool our kids. I just could not understand how a woman in her right mind would want to take her kids home when a yellow bus would take them away for free all day long. And you could, you know, get a shower by yourself, maybe get some shopping done, you know, have a life. But we decided at the end of that year to bring her home from public school and the rest of our children, the other six, never stepped foot in a public school. So we've been uh, out on the road talking to parents about education. God's word is very clear on the power of education. And in fact, Jesus said in Luke 640 that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. So it begs the question, who's teaching our children? And when we realized that our children are being intentionally targeted I started speaking out about what was happening in the public school system beyond the failing academics. I started talking about the cultural Marxism that's taking place in our uh, in our grade schools even, and in our high schools, and warning parents to get involved. I started going to school board meetings uh, as a homeschool mom, which sort of shocked people. Like, why is this homeschool mom going to a public school school board meeting? But the fact is, every one of us should care about what's happening to our children. Uh, these are tomorrow's teachers. They're tomorrow's lawmakers. They're tomorrow's judges. They're tomorrow's doctors. And they're tomorrow's parents. And what's happening right now is an intentional attack against their minds, against the knowledge of God. God said he created us male and female in his image. We know that marriage is from God because the word of God declares that it's so. And our children are being taught that what God's word said is false and what their parents are teaching them is false. This is what the schools are doing, right? So the kids are coming home from school and there may be, maybe the parents don't notice it until it's five years too late. And then they'll say, oh, my goodness, my kid graduated from a public high school or a public university, came home for Thanksgiving dinner, and I didn't even know who they were. This is happening all over the country. How was the journey? Well, I learned something when I pulled my daughter out of school. I learned that all these people, these, these, uh, these educators, these professionals who had told me all those years that I had to leave that part of child raising to them because I couldn't possibly do it. I learned that they weren't telling me the truth. I learned that I could teach my daughter in about an hour and a half every single day what the public schools were taking eight hours a day, five days a week, nine months a year to teach her. And not only could I do it, but I would actually enjoy doing it. And so very, very quickly, I mean, I was learning with uh, with our daughters here. Now, keep in mind, these kids are in their 30s now, right? But uh, I was learning that not only had I been lied to about this, but I had been missing out. I was being robbed of an opportunity to know my children and to uh, impart what I thought was important and valuable to them. Because if you think about it, when our kids are in the school system, they're gone most of the time, right? So the, their, their most uh, important hours of the day are being spent under the tutelage of people that we don't even know. So we don't know these people. We don't know the principals. We don't know the school board members. We don't know these other students. And the culture has shifted. So when I was in school, you know, the garage doors were open. People were talking. This is not the case anymore. So many of our uh, the influences around our children are coming off of social media. So then they would come home from school and they get on Facebook or TikTok. Uh, and we don't, we don't know our kids at all. And so very, very quickly after I brought Savannah home, uh, I started realizing this is something I really enjoy. And pretty soon I had transformed our, our dining room into a little school room, right? And I was putting the pictures of the presidents up on the wall and there was a, a handwriting chart that went up on the wall. And pretty soon uh, Jay would come home from work and be like, whoa, what the heck is going on? You know, it seems like you went from, I would never homeschool my kids to, I am so glad that we're homeschooling our kids. And we saw a shift in our family. It was the best thing apart from sharing the gospel with our kids, deciding to take our kids out of the public school system was the best decision we ever made for our family. Thoughts, comments, questions. So many say. conversations. We have had so many conversations ourselves as a family, and um, we are incredibly blessed to have a private school near us that our children attend. And And I can, I can honestly say if that were not available, an available option, mm -hmm. we would... Absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, homeschool our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It's, and I, and I do, I do understand the, um, the very weighty life decisions that people have to make mm -hmm. in pulling their kids from 
we shouldn't even call it public school anymore. Just call it government school. It's government school. It's do you want your child educated by this government or do you want them to actually learn you know, reading, writing, math, history. Because, and, and just look at what's coming down, fr- top down from even the Biden administration. Yeah. Boys are to be in girls' locker rooms and restrooms. Yeah. Boys are to be functioning in girls' sports. Mm-hmm. You know, there, There is just a, do you want your kids? Is that really what you want to adhere to and have your kids subjected to? For eight hours a day, five days a week. Yeah, it's and and again, over and over, what we see when people, when we interact with people, mostly, you know, when we're either presenting our ministry or when we're doing screenings, and over and over, and the few people right now that have seen dysphoria mm-hmm. have said, "I don't want to believe it." Right. Basically, it, this is so unbelievable. It's not that they're saying I don't believe it. They're saying, you know, it's it's this disbelief of I it's so bad. I don't want to believe it, but but I have to because you presented. Right. It's obvious. Well, because you in in the film, in dysphoria, we share three very powerful stories mm-hmm. of uh, three, three different families across the nation. We're talking Texas, Florida and Colorado who were all ambushed by this LGBTQ agenda. Yeah. Right. And, and an ambushed is the right term. <laughs> yes. It really is. It so catches you off guard. And yeah. when you watch the movie, you will understand. And I think millions of families across the country and around the world, you know, this is not just an American issue or problem. Um, but here in the United States, millions of families are being impacted and they don't even know it right now. Right. They have no idea. And people and we're all getting ready. You know, people are getting ready to send their kids back to school. Mm -hmm. And so to be aware and alert to what's happening and to be on the lookout for changes and attitudes of of your kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so critically important right now, more than ever. Well, and just repeating it, because we've heard this over and over, too. You have to be involved, Mm -hmm. even if they're going to a, you know, a, a even a private school, you have mm-hmm. to be involved and know who's teaching them, mm-hmm. what they're What's teaching them. Because just because it says Christian on in front of the school doesn't necessarily mean that there's not bad theology that's mm-hmm. creeping in there. I mean, I, I, we've seen it. We've seen Christian schools where even if the official the official you know doctrinal statement of the school says one thing. So, for example, you know. Do they believe in a uh, literal interpretation of Genesis, six literal days of creation? Mm -hmm. Well, it can say that they do, but the teacher is the one who is teaching. And I have we've seen with our own eyes where the doctrinal statement of the school says one thing, but the teacher believes something else. Mm And that is going to creep into their instruction. I don't mm-hmm. care what they say. So you, you just got to you got to well, like, And in. like Heidi said, you know, she was a homeschool mom going to school board meetings. Mm-hmm. And she's right. These are the next leaders in yeah. our communities and doctors and legislators. So absolutely, we all have a responsibility to be involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we have a responsibility to go to break and we will be right back. Oh, okay. Hey, friends. We love hearing from our listeners who tune into our podcast every week. We're always looking to connect with our community and create content that truly resonates with you. If you have a suggestion or topic you'd like us to cover, you can now write us at fearlessfeatures.org forward slash mailbox. Your support and encouragement mean the world to us, and we couldn't do this without you. Thank you for allowing us to share our passion and knowledge with you. Link to the mailbox is in the show notes. Okay, so we're back with Heidi. Mm-hmm. So here's another clip of your bestie. Bestie from the Westie. Heidi St. John. Uh, here we go. 
So Jay and I have been involved in the homeschool movement now for about 25 years, a little longer than 25 years. Uh, I've written eight books. I speak all over the country and around the world on issues related to education and parenting and marriage. And we started a homeschool cooperative back in 1999. So uh, we started a homeschool cooperative in Northern Washington State that really got off the ground in 2000. And it grew very quickly. And I realized that I wasn't the only one that wanted more support. See, I think it's a, mis it's a misconception, right? That parents take their kids out of school and they wanna lock them up in the basement and make sure they never have any influences or anything. That that is not the heartbeat behind true homeschooling. The homeschool movement simply says parents should be at the front of their children's education, not behind. And so we started this homeschool cooperative. It exploded. It was very wildly successful. And when we moved to Southwest Washington State, we started another one. And that very quickly grew too. We called it Friday School. So it just met one day a week and we would have music and opportunities for all kinds of classes. Our kids were taking things like Chinese and all kinds of things, just um, anything that they were interested in that the parents were interested in teaching, those became classes. Well, eventually we turned that into a nonprofit organization and we planted over 60 homeschool cooperatives. So all across the United States, a couple of them in Canada, even a couple of them in Germany at the Ramstein Air Base, we flew over there to help some parents, uh, some military personnel begin to homeschool their own children. So that we did that for 15 years. Unfortunately, we thought that we would get the support of the church. These homeschool cooperatives were meant to be in churches, very much like an Awana program is in church. But the churches were afraid to take a stand for education. And the churches did not want to get involved because they thought, well, we've got, you know, sitting members of school boards that go to our churches. I heard this over and over again, tithing members that were uh, part of the public school system and they didn't want to offend anyone. So rather than jump into encouraging and helping the parents who had chosen to homeschool their children, by and large, the church remained silent. And in 2016, when Barack Obama issued his bathroom mandate, you might remember that, and he declared that the school should open up their bathrooms to any student who determines that he feels like he might be of the opposite gender, uh, that was the edict that came down from on high, right? One of the first real indicators that the culture was going to massively shift. And I happened to be in Chattanooga at the time speaking uh, there for a homeschool conference. And I looked at my husband and I said, we have to do more. We have to do more. This one day a week model that has been working well for us, that churches, we should have had, we should have had 4,000 of those, not 60 of them, because it wasn't for lack of trying. We probably interviewed 1,500 pastors to get 60 homeschool cooperatives. And my husband and I have been, he was a pastor for nearly 20 years. We love the church, but the church has not been at the front of this battle. And in fact, it's been largely absent. And so we realized, okay, we're not gonna get the help from the church we need. So we're gonna, we need a building that could be open five, six days a week, seven days a week if necessary, and provide opportunities for the people that uh, that lived in our area. So we we started uh, looking around for a building and it's a really miraculous story how the Homeschool Resource Center came about because it really was obedience on our part to the Lord. We heard the Lord say, now is the time. I called a friend of ours who is a very successful businessman here in Southwest Washington. And I explained to him, I believe that we're going to have an absolute um, influx of children into homeschooling out of the public school system because I think this is gonna to start to open the eyes of the parents. Never could I have ever in my wildest dreams imagined COVID. Never could I have imagined that. But COVID really was a thing that set the homeschool uh, world on fire, right? Because parents were getting a window onto what was happening in their schools. And they were getting a window on it through TikTok and a window uh, into it through Zoom and the teachers not wanting the parents to even hear what they were teaching about in the schools. So we had sort of laid the groundwork for it in 2016. Uh, in 2017, we opened the doors uh, at the end of October of 2017. Uh, and we, we are here now five days a week. So if a mom comes in and she says, listen, I want to pull my kid out of the public school system, but I just don't want to teach um, algebra, or I really want my child to have other opportunities besides what I could provide for them at home. What do you have? Well, we have a constitution class. We have choir. We have ceramics. We have a beekeeping program. Uh, we're teaching the kids uh, early American history here. We're teaching them foreign languages. It's amazing the opportunities. Over 250 classes are taught here at the Homeschool Resource Center. And everything we do is a la carte. So we're not trying to take over for parents. We're trying to come alongside them and say, you can do it 
and we can help you. And that model has been wildly successful. We're looking to uh, to move this particular model into communities all across the United States. And in fact, we're contacted here every single day that we are open from parents across the country. I mean, from Washington State to New York, to Florida, to Nebraska, to Illinois, to Georgia, parents are, are starting to look at what we're doing because it doesn't take government money and it's not expensive. And we're able to come alongside a homeschool family and say, we know you can do this and we're going to help make sure that you never send your kids back to public school again. So right now we have over 1600 students here at the Homeschool Resource Center and I expect it to grow. What's kind of like the common denominator of fear? Is it just fear? What's, what is it that holds people back from homeschooling? Well, I mean, the first hurdle obviously is the one that's been debunked over and over again, which is uh, socialization. What a joke. You want to talk to me about socialization? That's why I don't put my kids in public school. I love it when people ask me that question. Aren't you worried about socialization? Absolutely. That's why we took our kids out of public school. We're 100% worried about socialization. Are you worried about academics? Well, guess what? Homeschooled kids are outperforming their public school counterparts nearly four to one. They are outperforming them. Why? Because the parents that choose to keep their kids at home are actually doing the job of teaching their kids reading, writing, and arithmetic. What are our kids learning in the public school system? They're learning how to be woke. They're studying pronouns. They're learning how they're racist and that our country is inherently racist. They're learning how to remake our political parties into the images of people who have gone gone for the last 1500 years that we've studied human history and recognize these things don't work and yet our children believe that they do. And so when I look at parents and they come in and they say, you know, my job here at the Homeschool Resource Center is to is to tell them you can do this. And not only can you do it, you're going to flourish at it. And not only are you going to flourish at it, your children are going to want to homeschool their grand, your grandchildren. That's what we see happening. And if you can show them, all they got to do is come into the Homeschool Resource Center and see the coffee shop humming and the bookstores opening. You know, in COVID, we were the happiest place in Southwest Washington because we didn't force our kids into a narrative. We decided to let the parents, there's a shocker. We decided to let the parents determine what was best for their own children. And in COVID, when the, when the suicide rate in the public schools here was skyrocketing, we were flourishing because we determined that we were not gonna follow a narrative that we did not believe. And that's what this comes down to. When parents come here, when they decide to homeschool, they already know that something's wrong. What we wanna do is give them the confidence that not only can they do it, they will flourish at it and there is life in it. And that is a message that resonates. And so I'm not interested in just coming alongside someone and saying, well, you can homeschool for a year until you feel like the public school is better. I want to introduce them to, to homeschooling as a lifestyle. So they go, wow, I cannot believe. It's like when you have your first kid and you wonder what you ever did without him. I think homeschooling is that way too. You homeschool your kids and you realize how much life it brings and the freedom it gives you as a family and you wonder what you ever did before you found it. Sold. <laughs> no, I just, I love Heidi and I, I love just her authenticity and, and transparency of the journey and the things that they've been through. It was such a joy to talk to her and learn from her and just to be able to pass it on to other people who are, you know, teetering on the fence about pulling their kids or not. Like we know we, we have spent so much time in prayer. We know that our children are going to our Christian school because mm -hmm. we have been there. We are active in that community. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel, I feel at peace at that, but I can, but I can say if, if they were the only option was a public school, absolutely not. No, no, no. way in the world. <laughs> no way. <clears throat> no, it's, it's funny to hear her talk about, you know, how, how they were the happiest place in Southwest Washington yeah. during COVID. And I can absolutely see that because, yeah. you know, we, we dealt with it, you know, even at our, at our Christian school, you know, the, during, during COVID, I mean, it was terrible everywhere, Yeah, but you know, the, just the, the continual, um, the, it brought out the worst in everyone, Yeah, everyone. Mm -hmm. And we, I, we don't even have to tell you, I mean, <laughs> We you got know. parents and grandparents listening. You know, you saw the worst come out and an awful lot of people. Yeah. Over the masks, especially. So, okay. All right. So I got one one more segment here with uh, with Heidi. Here okay. we go. So we keep hearing conversations in the culture about how there's no such thing as truth anymore, right? We're having ridiculous conversations like, what is a woman? 
and people can't define it. What is a man? Well, I have no idea, except for we do know. What we're living in right now is a culture in crisis and we Christians who are cowards and will not tell the truth. There is no better example than I can think of as to where this decline really started to uh, accelerate than with the example of uh, former pastor Rob Bell. A lot of people used to grew up with his teachings, especially in their junior high schools. He was very popular with kids. I saw an interview that he did with Oprah Winfrey many years ago when he was uh, putting out a new book about marriage. And he decided to include gay marriage in his book. Now, this was very unusual for that particular time because as a Christian, at least the churches were still not embracing gay marriage. But the reason why Oprah Winfrey had this pastor on her show was precisely because he would embrace it. And so she asked him why, she said, I see that you've made a conscious effort to include gay marriage. Uh, why would you do that? And he just looked her with a straight face with all of the, the, uh, the, the um, conviction that a person who doesn't understand gospel could muster. And he said, well, because the culture is already there. And she said, well, when do you think the church is gonna get this? When do you think the church will accept what you're saying is fact? And he said that as soon as we stop quoting letters from 2000 years ago as our best defense. You see what we're doing in the church is we're moving away from a position of authority because we are denying that there is absolute truth. Jesus himself declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is such a thing as truth. There are laws that govern the natural universe. Gravity, there's a good example. So if I decide I don't believe in gravity anymore, do you think gravity cares if I believe in it or not? No, if I decide I'm gonna walk off a stage, which I've done a couple of times by accident, if I'm gonna walk off a stage and I declare, well, there is no gravity, I'm gonna fly. Who's gonna win, Heidi St. John or gravity? Gravity will win because these are laws. These are natural laws that govern the created world. There are spiritual laws that govern our world also because we have a creator and having a creator changes everything. Years ago, uh, I took a very early morning flight out to the East Coast to speak for a women's conference. And when you fly out of Portland, Oregon in the morning, you know, uh, we got to leave here. If I want to make it to the East Coast by five in the afternoon, I got to board a plane at about 3.30 or four in the morning in order to do it. And so I'm kind of tired, you know, this particular morning I get on the plane and I sit down next to a black professor from one of the most liberal universities in the entire area. And he's friendly and we, we're starting, we have a, you know, we're having a great conversation. So as people who are sitting next to each other on a plane often do, you know, he starts asking me questions about myself and he says, where do you go to school? And I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do I really want to answer this? Well, of course I did. And I said, you know, well, I homeschool my children. And he goes, you homeschool your kids? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, how many kids do you have? And I said, you know, seven. And he goes, what? I didn't realize people in Washington state were still doing that. And I was like, oh yes, you know, some of us are. And he said, can I ask you questions? He goes, I've got so many questions for you, right? Because now he's just found out I'm sitting next to a homeschool mom of seven and I got questions. And the first thing he asked me is, what is your position on gay marriage? And I'm thinking, I don't know this guy, except for I know that he's a black professor from a very liberal university. He's probably using me as a case study for his thesis, right? And I... I really just took a moment in the quietness of my heart and I asked the Lord for words. Because the truth is, we, we, I want him to know the one who made him, right? We have a message of hope, actually. It's not a message of hate. It's not a message of uh, hating anyone. And we've been painted that way by the radical left, right? And by a biblically illiterate church who stumbled all over itself in its response to the AIDS crisis and made the crisis we're in now a hundred times worse, right? And so I said to him, I said, have you ever been to the Portland Zoo? And he's looking at me like, what does this have to do with gay marriage? And he goes, well, yeah, I have. And I said, me too. I've been to the Portland Zoo a bunch of times. Did you know that they have a new elephant exhibit? He's like, no, I didn't. I didn't know that. I said, it's true. I said, they got an awesome American wolf exhibit. There's so many amazing things they're doing at the zoo right now. I said, did you know that there are now hissing Madagascar cockroaches at the Portland Zoo? And he was like, well, I would imagine with seven kids, you're at the zoo a lot. I said, yep, you're right. I said, have you ever noticed that the sun comes up just on time every single day and it goes down exactly when we say it's going to go down. You can count on it like clockwork. We know the changing of the season and how and how the planets rotate. I said, have you ever noticed that the sun is just the right distance away from the earth? It was even a little bit closer. The earth would burn up or just a little bit farther away. The earth would freeze. He's like, yeah. I said, you know, it's interesting. 
I went to uh, to a homeschool outdoor school with my daughter. And I took a pottery class while I was there. And it turns out I suck at pottery. I'm really not good at it. It's, it's, it's a skill. One does not simply make a pot. So they teach me where the materials come from. And I make this pot eventually, and it's lopsided and funny looking, but it's my lopsided funny looking bowl. And I love it. And I decide I'm going to give it to my daughter for Christmas. Because, you know, what's she going to do? She's going to have to keep it out of guilt for the rest of her life, right? Somewhere on display, somewhere in the back of a cupboard. And I gave her instructions with it. I said, if you put this thing in water and you leave it there for more than 10 minutes, it's going to degrade the materials and the pot will be ruined. If you cook it over 425 degrees, the, the pot will crack. It can't withstand that kind of heat. Why do I know that? Because I know what went into making that pot. I understand the pot more than anybody else does because I created it. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? I believe I have a creator. I said, don't you think it's interesting? I said, I've been to the Portland Zoo now probably a hundred times over my lifetime. I said, I've had the privilege of holding seven newborn infants in my arms. And you can't tell me that the, that uh, that there was some catastrophic boom somewhere or some primordial ooze crawled out of some, uh, some puddle somewhere in the universe. And that became a hissing Madagascar cockroach and that became an elephant and you became you and I became me. And those seven beautiful human beings that I had the privilege of bringing into this world are just an accident of nature. I don't believe it. Do you believe it? And he said, I'm having a harder time because the truth is creation speaks for itself. All we have to do, according to the book of Romans, is look at the created world. God said that it speaks for him. If we don't give him credit, even the rocks will cry out. And so I told him, I began to search for a creator and my search took me to the Bible. And the Bible said, I made the male and female in my image. God who said, I am the creator of human beings, gave us an instruction manual for life. And he said that he created sex for marriage between a man and a woman. And that is the reason why. You will never see me stand in support of something that I know goes against God's created order. It's not a lack of love. It's because of love. Because we know that we have a creator. And he said, if you want to experience fullness of joy and you want to experience blessing in your life, walk the way I told you to walk. Stay inside the boundaries of the created order that I made. And God made a boundary. And that's the reason why you're never going to see me promote gay marriage because I know in the end it's going to bring suffering with it. And he was very quiet. And he said, you know, you're the first person I ever talked to from your persuasion that ever made me think about mine. And the reason I share that story is because Christians don't need to hide from truth. We need to proclaim it. We don't need to hide behind a false label that they've given us that says that we're unloving or unkind. We don't need to be unkind or ungodly in our defense of the truth, but the truth can stand on its own. And we've been taught for a long time in the church that we should not engage the culture. But the fact of the matter is the church is required in the culture in order to engage it. We speak the truth because truth exists. And as I have been out into the culture talking to people more and more, I'm recognizing what God said in his word is true, that there are people in search of truth and they need to hear that God loves them. That's the message of the gospel. It's that God loves you. And right now we're living in an incredible time in human history, a time of incredible deception and a generation of biblically illiterate Christians who don't know God's word and who can't defend it and who don't know the basic premise of the gospel, which is God looked down on a world that desperately needed relief from sin and loved this world so much that he sent his treasured son in order to redeem the creation that he had made that had fallen victim to sin. And that's where we are right now. I love to tell young people all across the country, if you know the Lord, you've got what an entire generation is looking for. You know who the healer is. You know what true hope and what true change looks like. True hope and change is never gonna be found in a president or a political party or an ideology or in Black Lives Matter, or in any other political movement. It's found in the work and person of Jesus. He is the game changer because he changes lives. If that was the message of the church, and if the church could take it boldly into the culture, instead of standing on the sidelines, pretending like we have something that maybe we should use as sort of a seasoning on, on a meal instead of the meal itself, maybe we'd see change in the culture. I think we would. And the more people I talk to, the more convinced I am 
that the message of the church is now is needed now more than it's ever been needed. And I hope we return to our roots. And the roots are that there is such a thing as truth, that God created the world that we live in. This is why the study of Genesis is so important. This is why I love the work of my friend Ken Ham and the ministry of Answers in Genesis so much. They're saying that the foundational blocks for the world that we live in are explained in the book of Genesis. So much of what we're going through, this is why I said at the beginning of our interview, 90% of the issues we're facing in the culture right now are moral at their root. Who better to deal with a moral issue than a moral people? And a moral people should be God's people. And we're not moral in and of ourselves. We become moral as we become more like Jesus and we understand why truth is so important and why we need to defend it. The continual renewing of your mind. Yeah. What is that scripture? I'm going to find it. <laughs> it's a, I, I love that story about sitting there with the professor, you know, and just because as we've seen many times through the years is it's like, <clears throat> it's, it's like the more educated you get, the, the less able to perceive the simple realities of life you, mm -hmm. that it's it's staggering and reading scripture as it is mm -hmm. take it word for word take yeah. it at its word yeah they get so smart you know with their <laughs> piled higher and deeper <laughs> degree <laughs> that they lose touch of just the 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 simple realities that uh of of life yes romans 12 2 i knew i, I thought that it was romans wasn't sure but i didn't mm -hmm. want to say it but fact checked here <laughs> <laughs> do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will there you go there you go so once again heidi st john is a big part of dysphoria uh-huh you can get your tickets now for the world premiere. <laughs> well, it's, it's a private premiere. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, you, you, you can come to it. Yes. If you, buy, if you buy tickets. Red carpet premiere. There you this go. Bit, you know, the last time that I did a red carpet premiere. I'm pretty sure we didn't know each other. We did not know each other. No. I don't know if I was even born. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, honey. <clears throat> okay, 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 okay. No, because we because when we were talking about this, and I was trying to remember how many of them I've been to, and I, I not just just uh, a handful, a handful, yeah. So ours is going to be better than all of them. Okay, good. So yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, that's all I got. All you right. have anything else? No, that's all. Okay. All right, that's all the time we have for today, friends. Thanks for listening through to the end, and be sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And share this with your friends and family. And until next time, march on, saints. Hey, what happened? <laughs>